Hey guys, it's Alana and you're listening to Seeing Other People Unfiltered. Each Thursday on Unfiltered, I'll be bringing on a different anonymous guest to open up about their real life dating experiences. We'll discuss what they went through or are going through, how they navigated it, what they've learned, and what advice they have to anyone else going through something similar. Unfiltered is your reminder that no matter what you're going through, you're not alone. If you have a topic that you'd like to discuss on Unfiltered, please email your story to seeingotherpeoplepodcast at gmail.com to be considered for an episode. Real people, real stories, real life. This is Seeing Other People Unfiltered. I'm a 28-year-old male. I live in Washington, D.C., and uh, I'm here to talk about my past relationship, which um, collapsed due to the issue of a disagreement on uh, having kids. Thank you so much for being here and for being willing to share your story. Um, I know we often talk about our deal breakers and our non-negotiables and things that we want, but I think we all have run into situations where you know, we think we know what we want and then we meet someone and we're like, oh, but I like this person. So I'm willing to compromise on it. And I think there are some deal breakers where that's okay. And there are others where that is not okay. So I'd love to hear, you know, how you and this person from your past met and what happened and, and when you knew you didn't want kids, you know, take me back from to the beginning. So I've always known that I didn't want kids, actually, even when I was a kid myself. it's I didn't really like hanging out with other kids. I preferred hanging out with adults, and I knew that when I would grow up, I would not have any kids of my own, and this is still what I want to do uh, today. So at, at least it's consistent, and I know what I want. So that's more than uh, what a lot of people can say, but... Um, what happened anyway was we met in in school. I'm not going to say what we were studying because it's a tiny community and it would be extremely easy to find out. But basically, we were studying something that is very niche. And people who study that tend to have a very particular mindset. And so like meeting somebody with that mindset is really wonderful because it's almost like the ability to have telepathy but uh, we weren't together right out of school. Some more time passed by, and then eventually we reconnected and uh, became an item, so to speak. And uh, yeah, it's it's exactly what you said. It's like this absolutely um, all-encompassing chemistry that blurs the lines and makes you think, but could I compromise on this? And then I guess the other initial mistake was that, well, when I was in school, for whatever reason, don't ask me why, I was extremely vocal about being child-free by choice and even an antinatalist from a philosophical standpoint. And I would mention that to people unsolicited. Um, And so I just assumed that everybody who was there with me knew my stance on that. And then in the early stages of our relationship, she would talk about what she would do if she had kids or what she would do if she were pregnant and assumed that I understood that it meant that she wants kids. But actually, you know, you could ask me what I would do if I had kids in a certain situation. I would still be able to have an opinion on that. So I didn't interpret that as definitive evidence that she absolutely wanted kids. And the other thing that um, is relevant to the story is that she is five years older than me. So when we started dating, I was 25 and she was already 30. 
Did you have, you know, any explicit conversations? I know you said like you were very vocal about it, but did it ever come up when you were one-on-one about, you know, your plans for the future? It did, but let's just say that we both felt kind of compelled to gloss over our real feelings about things. I didn't go on overly strong child-free or antinatalist rants because I feel like I had other child-free friends to hear that, and it would make her visibly upset, which you know should have been a cue, but was not. <laughs> and uh, she didn't want to approach the subject too friendly either, because then she might have to hear that, no, I don't want kids, and she didn't want to hear that. I, I totally get that. I've definitely, in past relationships, avoided conversations like that, because I just, well, once it's out there, it's real. Exactly. And um, it's it's really like I, to the people listening to this, it's going to sound absolutely insane. But in order to relate to that, if you're listening to this, just imagine that you're being swept away by this absolutely amazing chemistry, this relationship that is so perfect aside from that huge problem. And that is the best relationship you've had in your life by far on. I can speak for both people here. And so all of these decisions are made with uh, rosy glasses. And uh, we even, so we were in Europe back then, and we even uh, moved back to the U.S. together and bought a place together. Wow. And did we have a conversation about kids? Yes, but it was still not conclusive. It was still like maybe on both sides instead of being a yes on one end and a no on my end. Did you think that there was ever a world in which you would change your mind? Well, I didn't know for sure because I was still very young, 25 when we started dating. And when we moved over to the U.S., I wasn't even 27 yet. So I felt like, you know, if I want to change my mind about having kids, I have another 20 years to do that. But she did not. That was the big limiting factor. But I thought, you know, who knows? There's all this talk about people changing their minds, right? That's the thing everybody tells you. You're going to change your mind. And I had no choice but to believe these people because I, I didn't know any better. And I thought, well, maybe potentially I could change my mind. And for the sake of this, you know, amazing relationship, maybe I could reconsider my stance. Yeah. Were people ever trying to, you know, convince you to want to have kids? Because I, I know, you know, there are so, I mean, I'm in my late twenties now and I feel like everyone around me wants kids or plans to have kids. And and it's so rare that I hear somebody say like, oh, I don't know if I actually want kids. And so I imagine that there are a lot of people, you know, who want to put that pressure on you or convince you like, oh no, this is why you need to have children. Absolutely. And I'm a man, so I don't even get that pressure nearly as strong as women get it. Like, society really goes to great lengths to convince women to have kids, even though it's really um, more of a burden on them because they often end up taking care of the kid by themselves in case of a separation and they have to bear the child. But um, I did definitely feel the pressure from society just. Um, this this environment where people assume that that's what's going to happen, that that's 
that you're going to change your mind, that you're going to have kids because it's the default option. And we were all born from people who did have kids. So there was also a family environment. She came from a culture that is extremely natalist and pro-kids. And there was a lot of pressure on her and therefore by extension on me to, to have kids. And like, even before making a definitive decision, I was, I thought, you know, if I am going to have kids, certainly not now and it's way too early, but yet, you know, the clock on her end was definitely ticking. Yeah. And I feel like that probably added, you know, internal pressure for you to make that decision. It did. It did. And it got to a point uh, where it was during um, quarantine from COVID. We both actually had it. And um, one day she told me, well, you know, you're going to have to make make up your mind within a few months because I'm going to need an answer. And that was like a rare moment of clarity. And I was like, wow, you know, this is actually a question for now, not a question for later. And um, that really uh, reframed things for me in terms of the urgency of the decision. And so uh, I started doing some soul searching and thinking about it and really, you know, taking a good hard look at myself to wonder whether I could actually stomach uh, having kids. And um, I went to my closest relatives. I have, I'm very lucky to have some child-free relatives in my family that have all had amazing lives and that I can look up to and, you know, come to for honest feedback. It really just put being child-free on the map for me because so many people are in environments where not having kids is not an option at all. It's something that doesn't exist, right? And so I had this lifeline and then I also had, you know, other people who did have kids and tell me, well, you know, it's a wonderful thing. Your dad wasn't maybe 100% ready, but he still, you know, took the leap and there we are now and everyone, everyone's happier for it. So I kind of got both sides of the spectrum from my own relatives. But then what really, um, what really made the difference for me was to go online and notice that on Reddit, for instance, there is a huge child-free community that is extremely supportive and will give you all the positive reinforcement that you need. And so in the end, I did a lot of visualization exercises, um, tried to imagine myself with kids. And so the first thing you see is what some refer to as the Kodak moments, right? The moments when everybody's like running on a beach at sunset and being happy and you don't see the, the million diaper changes and the all the other hardships of raising a kid. I mean, I think that if there's anything we can agree on between people who want kids and don't want them, it's that raising a kid is extremely hard, right? And so uh, through these visualization exercises, it became extremely clear to me that I did not want kids and that I would never in a million years agree to that. And I would, I'm going to share something that is, you know, a little bit shocking, but that I hope really helps hammer that point home. So uh, just a little trigger warning about suicide here. I really like pictured myself parked in my car at the hospital where she is, you know, giving birth to our kid and just blowing a bullet through me. And that's how, you know, you don't want kids. <laughs> Sorry, that got a little dark. That is a telltale sign if I've ever heard one. Wow. I mean, I, I find it really impressive that you really took the time to do to like look within and 
explore every angle of this and the outcome and how you would really feel. I'm curious, like, did you decide to do this on your own? Were you talking to a therapist who encouraged you to do this? Like, how did you, you know, work through this? So at the time during COVID, while we were quarantined and I was unemployed because of COVID, like my job really highly depended on people being able to travel internationally and meet together. So that was a little difficult. So I was not able to afford um, therapy. I had health insurance. I was very fortunate to have it, but it did not include therapy. So I did not have the means to pursue that. Now I am in therapy and it's really wonderful. Everybody should really do that. But I feel like I still had resources to explore that on my own. And there are tons of resources online that will help you, you know, ask thought provoking questions, even if you can't have a therapist to do that with you. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's amazing that you recognized like you needed to find those resources and you did seek them out and you put in the work and you were able to come to this conclusion. I'm curious what, well, two things. And the first being before she brought this up of like, you need to figure this out in the next few months. How much of your time did you spend thinking about this? Or was it like a thought that you would just push away and it'd come back every once in a while? Or was it always the elephant in the room? So it varied sometimes, you know, some, there were so many moments of pure and utter bliss that this thought or any other thought didn't need to be there. Things were just simple and natural and enjoyable. And there were other times when it was an elephant in the room. And when I felt like, you know, making, I don't know, a snide child-free comment and censored myself or when she probably censored herself on other things and you know, these little things that you do to keep a relationship peaceful. What was the conversation between the two of you like once you had your answer? So that was probably uh, one of the most difficult conversations that we had because I spent, you know, I had spent these multiple months with little sleep, you know, wondering about it, you know, awake next to her at night and thinking like, there's this beautiful relationship in the balance, but there's no way I can wrap my mind around the idea of having kids. There's just no way. And that's really what prompted this whole reflection process is I couldn't just go along with it, even though it's the easy option, because that is what is rewarded socially. So I have my answer. It's crystal clear to me now. I walk into this conversation and I tell her, like, I'm certain that I don't want kids and she could not hear me. She did not get it. She was in denial. And like there was no real conversation in the end. And things continued for many long months as if this conversation had never happened. And so it was extremely difficult for me because I was already preemptively grieving the loss of this relationship. And at the same time, it's like, you really realize that for a breakup to happen, you need both people to acknowledge what's happening. And I felt like I kept breaking up with her by bringing it up again and again, saying, I don't want kids. But every time the coin would not drop. And it was, it's like, you know, having a hanging sword over you. And it was extremely challenging on a day-to-day basis. But, you know, it was also COVID, isolation, 
all of that that didn't make anything easier. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you're two people who love each other and have spent years building this life together and wanting it to work out. And I just imagine that was such a painful, drawn out breakup to go through for both of you. It was. And we actually did see a couple's counselor to, you know, see if we would be able to like to, to reconcile this somehow. And um, at first, you know, we did exercises on how to have conversations in a productive way. And then we were both invited to, quote, state our case and say why one of us wants kids, the other one doesn't. And then one morning we, you know, turn on Zoom and start the session and the therapist goes, well, I've thought long and hard about your situation, but there's really no way of reconciling your respective positions and you should break up and just I remember this like moment when you know the sword finally dropped and we were both crying and in each other's arms and like heartbroken to have to part ways yeah and then there was more denial and like oh but this this therapist is young she's not very competent what blah 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 and eventually, I finally managed to rip myself out of the situation, got an apartment on, on my own, got my own car, and just took it from there. But it took so much, and it was so drawn out. You know, it was like ripping the Band-Aid off hair by hair instead of doing it in one go. And I'm very much a proponent of, you know, ripping off the Band-Aid one clean shot. Yeah, I've been on her side of wanting to hang on to every single last thread and no matter what side you're on in this situation it sucks it does and i don't want to put the blame entirely on her for being in denial because i was also in denial before that i just happened to snapped out of it earlier than she did but you know and uh, even then that was not the end of everything because a few months later you know i was just starting to you know build my life back up uh, you know, move into an entirely new apartment on your own. I didn't know many people there because we had arrived just before COVID started. It was, you know, kind of the thick part of COVID when the January 6th riot had also happened, which left a profound scar in DC. And it was just all very grim. And then I just started a foray into dating when she reached out and said, actually, I'm okay with not having kids. Wow. Yeah. What was your reaction to that? At first, I was like, wow, I don't believe this for one second. And you and hadn't been in contact? You had not spoken? Not really. Or like, if, if so, only for logistical things. Right. So it was kind of a shock. And it, my first reaction was to not believe her. Because I was like, how can you go from wanting kids so fervently to being okay with not having kids or to not wanting kids and to calling yourself child-free in so little time? And we had like a four-hour-long conversation about it, and I asked every possible question. And I was like, okay, well, you know, this looks like it's for real. And there was also this disconnect between, you know, these memories of a blissful relationship and, you know, first forays into dating after a long time of not doing it, which I'm sure, you know, can be a little painful, can be a little 
Yeah. You know, underwhelming for sure. Yeah. So after that four hour conversation, what happened? So I gave myself some time to think about it, but I had a very clear desire to be with her again because I thought, you know, if, if she really is child free, um, then we can be together and, and be very happy together, have a lot of financial security and financial means to do whatever we want, travel, uh, live without having to worry paycheck to paycheck, which is really a privilege these days. And, um, and it was also the time when I had, like we had this conversation on the sidelines of my going to a urologist and saying, I want a vasectomy. And um, so it was, I was actually very lucky because as you know, men's reproductive choices get taken seriously and respected in this society. So we had a 10 minute conversation. And after that, my vasectomy was scheduled. I know that uh, countless women who, ste- who seek sterilization get denied every day. So I just wanted to put that out there. I think women should have their reproductive choices taken seriously as well. End of rant. Um, three weeks later, I do my vasectomy. Everything goes well. And I had told um, my ex that, well, if this is for real, if you are for real about being child-free, then let us celebrate my vasectomy. Make it a wonderful occasion and, you know, the condition that is needed for us to be together and happy. And once the vasectomy was done, the mood was anything but celebratory. And uh, I tried, I probed and probed and probed, and eventually she admitted that she was, quote, grieving her unborn children. Oof. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, that, that's one hell of a celebration, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and I get it, but that's not what you would expect to hear from somebody who just claim mm-hmm. to be okay with being child-free. Exactly. And it's like, basically, she was so confident that she would be able to celebrate that vasectomy and that, you know, everything would be okay and and we would live, quote, happily ever after. And she really, I think she really believed that. I'm sure she and really wanted, wanted it to be true. Yeah, exactly. And I wanted it to be true. Yeah. And so when that didn't happen, well, in my head, that, you know, kind of lit up a, an alarm. And I was like, well, why didn't I expect it? And then, you know, I tried to have more conversations about it. And, um, and I was like, well, are you, are you child-free? Are you okay with being child-free? And she was like, I'm okay with having kids just as, as a, just as I'm okay with not having kids. And that's not the same thing as I don't want kids. Right. It it sounded more and more like a concession. And so, once again, we were in that pattern again, having moved back in together. And that's so tough because you wouldn't have given this another chance had you felt like this was going to go in the same direction. And you didn't want to hold her back from having kids. You didn't want to be, you didn't want her to resent you for her not having kids, but she really wanted to be okay with it and she exactly exactly and because she's older than me i felt bad i felt you know guilt every day from taking time away from her and her kids 
or from, you know, taking this time away from her that she could dedicate to trying to have kids because, you know, the more you weigh, the more there's a risk of complications and there was a history of complications in her family. And so all in all, I bought into a fallacy, which was like, all I can do is take what she says at face value and be like, well, and I'll think, you know, I'll never be 100% sure, 100% convinced that she's okay with not having kids. And I thought that was okay. And that was something I could live with. And it really wasn't. Yeah. What ended up happening? Like, how long did you try this for? What ultimately it was, broke it off? It was like another year Wow. or so. Yeah. <laughs> Um, by the time we broke up, I was and still am 28. She's 33. So, you know, time is less and less on her side day by day. But, um, yeah, I kept bringing up the subject and you know the pattern by now. And then she started seeing a therapist and really taking a deep look at these things with the therapist. And I think that kind of helped her get back in touch with her wants and desires and, um, you know, realize that she actually wanted kids. But, and I think that I can trace back the moment when she realized that she did and when she tried to communicate it to me in a very indirect way. Um, so I moved back into what was now her place, what had been our apartment, but she had bought me out of it. And so I was living there without buying back into it because I wanted things to be more cemented before making that decision. And at some point she told me like, I don't know, don't you mind not having a property of your own? Uh, you know, something that you could either, either live in if you need to or rent out and make a little bit of money. And I was like, huh, that's strange. You know, why, why would you ask me that? And is, is that because you actually want to have kids and want me to move out? No. And, you know, give it another few months. And then eventually it happened. And I went out and actually looked at apartments to buy because through some weird glitch of the real estate market, I was able to purchase a place but not rent because rent is so expensive. Mm -hmm. And so I eventually bought a place and, you know, slowly but surely in a very indirect way, we had that conversation and after a while, I moved out and moved over to my own place. And uh, when it finally happened, you know, the, my sadness was overcome by such a sense of relief at finally having cut the cord and finally having set her free. Because, yeah. I mean, all this happened in spring and now it's, uh, it's September and she's already, you know, trying to have a kid on her own because she doesn't want, you know, to have to take care of a kid and a man, which I can understand. <laughs> um, and so this really proves how much it was the right decision. Like, and I guess one thing that helped us part ways was to think, oh, well, maybe once, once your kid is grown up, we can retire together or whatever. This is like, I said very clearly, you know, I'm not going to shut the door on it now, but it's, it's a long shot. Right. And once yeah. and there's, you cannot be child free with a stepchild because then there's probably, there's potentially going to be grandkids and I just don't want children in my life in general. It yeah. sounds, it's going to sound harsh to a lot of people, but. But you want what you want and you want 
like we all have things we want and don't want in our lives. And I, you know, I don't feel the same as you, but I can respect your choices and understand that you just, you've chosen, you've chosen that life for yourself. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And, you know, I think that sense of relief that you felt when, you know, this, it, it finally ended is a sign that it was the right thing. And, and I'm so glad to hear that, you know, she's now trying to have a child on her own and, and has made that choice for herself. And I think it's so tough because, you know, your whole story, it's like two people who love each other so much that they would, that they tried so hard to compromise, like this main, main thing that they valued or wanted or didn't want. But at the end of the day, you can't always make it work. And sometimes love isn't enough. Exactly. And, you know, some people look at it through the lens of, oh, why waste your time with somebody who doesn't want the same thing as you? And I feel like this logic may apply to some people, but this relationship was so wonderful that I'm just happy that it happened. And, uh, you know, I don't know what it's like to be over a relationship. There's no common definition, but, and, you know, it's an ongoing process with, uh, advances and regression, but it's just wonderful that this relationship happened and that we were able to cut the cords to cut the the cord in time for her to still go out and have kids and not have to like be stressed out about it. And, uh, it has taught me so many lessons about what not to do in relationships and the really like to anybody who's listening to this, please have those conversations before intertwining your lives, be it, you know, financially or logistically moving in together. These are, you know, choices that have significant implications and even more so now that, um, you know, women are being deprived of their reproductive rights in so many places in in the country and in the entire world. Yeah, absolutely. It's so important to, you know, take the time to think about what you want and put in the effort to have those conversations. And, I'm curious, you know, like, obviously this is such a hard question and I've been through so much in my past with like relationships that were really difficult and made me feel like completely broken. And when people ask like, would I undo it if I could, or if I could go back to the beginning, what would I do differently? It's such a hard question because yeah, on one hand, I wish I didn't go through all the pain that I went through, but on the other hand, it made me who I am. So I'm curious how you feel about that. So I truly believe that the place I am now, whether it is, you know, emotionally in terms of maturity or like financially, now I have actual job stability and everything. All of this was enabled by the fact that I had this wonderful relationship. So there's so much good that came out of it, yet I'm not one to practice toxic positivity. So if it had to be done again, I guess we could have found, you know, good middle ground with like living, you know, the honeymoon phase and the whirlwind romance, and then, you know, stopped and had a conversation about it and realized that we were not meant for each other and stopped it there. And so we would have had that wonderful experience that would perhaps, perhaps have been left with, you know, a sense of what if, of not having given it an entire chance, but, um, 
uh, that, that would be that would be my answer. But in the end, we did give it a chance, more than one chance, and uh, it was it also brought a lot of good to both of our lives. Yeah, and in the end, I think you know, giving it more than one chance and and really trying to see it through. In that case, it, you can't look back and say like, oh, if only we had tried harder. Yeah, and. Um, you know, this this whole conversation is built on the pretense that we both know what we want, but there's so many people who don't know what they want, who are on the fence about having kids because there are plenty of good reasons to have them and plenty of good reasons not to have them. And so maybe we both needed this experience to solidify our own choices. And like, if she wasn't okay to this is going to sound very arrogant, but if she wasn't okay not having kids to be with me, then she was definitely not okay not having kids. And same mm-hmm. thing the other way. If I was not okay having kids with her, then this is yeah. all the proof I need that I do not want kids at all. Absolutely. That's a really, really good point. And I think it it also just goes to show it's like no matter how much you love someone, your fundamental values in life, like you're not going to change those. And as much as you want to, you might want to more than anything in the world, but nine out of 10 times you can't. And exactly. that, that one out of 10 times, you might be lying to yourself. Yeah. And especially on something like kids, yeah. what do you do to compromise between one kid and zero kids? And by the way, just one is obviously not a compromise. Right. Exactly. Like, do you have half a kid? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So, yeah. yeah, I think it's really important that people discuss these. And before even like, forget about discussing it with your partner. Just think about it for yourself. Think of what you want. Exactly. And, you know, I've seen this happen with a bunch of my friends. I grew up in a prominently Jewish community and the expectation that, you know, my friends and I, most of our parents have for us is that we will end up with somebody Jewish. And so I've had friends go into dating being like, I'm only going to date somebody Jewish and stick with that. And then I've had friends who have said like, oh, well, that's what my parents want for me, but I don't really care. And then they meet somebody who's not Jewish and then they start dating them. And then they realize, oh shit, I actually do care a lot. And, you know, I have friends who are on year two, three, and four of their relationships with somebody who's not Jewish and they're still losing sleep over it at night. Yeah. I mean, I am Jewish, I like to say. So (laughs) (laughs) I, I understand what you mean. And like, it really, I guess if you look at it through the lens of dating, it's like, you can probably have, you know, one or two non-negotiables or like really strong boundaries, but on other things, you're bound to make a compromise. Like if you look at my dating pool as a child-free man, first of all, it's a reduced dating pool because I'm only interested in dating women who not only do not want kids, but already realize that they don't want kids. And dog ownership is particularly prevalent in the child-free community and i'm not the biggest fan of dogs i'm glad i I have headphones on so that barkley can't hear you yes (laughs) i I want to spare barkley's ego here but (laughs) it's nothing personal barkley but uh, seriously like yeah and so now i'm wondering and it's purely theoretical but this time i'm doing it beforehand to see what i'm doing Mm -hmm. so i'm like would i be okay being with somebody who has a dog and I'm kind of more on the no side. And therefore, my dating pool is even more restricted. And I wonder whether that's okay. But now, at least I have more of a framework to think about these things and to think about them before I find myself in a relationship where breaking it off is going to come with you know, emotional and other consequences. Yeah. How have you been navigating that 
um, I assume as you've gotten back into the dating world over the last few months, like have, is this stuff on your profile? Is it conversations you're bringing up on the first date? I'm curious, you know, for anyone else out there who's listening to this, who either knows that they want to be child-free or knows that they don't and knows that they do want to have children, like how these conversations are going, if you've been having them. So I have met somebody who is on the same page as me about kids and who, but whom I haven't met in person yet because she lives in a different city. And so I'm going to get to go visit fairly soon, which I'm pretty excited about. But before that, I was on the apps and uh, where there was a, a filter possible, I did put, you know, don't want kids. I also stated very clearly that I had a vasectomy, which is seen in a positive light all of a sudden in light of Roe v. Wade. And, um, and so with some people, I've definitely had the conversation, but it was like, and it was plastered all over their profiles as well. It was like, oh my God, you're child free, blah, blah, blah. So that was easy. And uh, with other people that I went on dates with, things didn't progress to the point where the conversation would have come up, but it was very clearly written on my profile, vasectomy. And some people think vasectomies can be reversed. This only works like 40% of the time, according to a lot of doctors. So I didn't even know they could be reversed. Apparently they can, but let's keep this under wraps for now because it'll give people the wrong idea. <laughs> that's yeah, that's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, you're not it's doing like, the oh, I can get a tattoo it. because people do tattoo removal. Like, no, no. <laughs> yeah, uh-uh. don't do that. Although a vasectomy looks a lot less painful than a tattoo, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, people who, are, especially men who are child-free, should absolutely, if you're certain that you don't want kids, just absolutely go get a vasectomy. It it'll be very easy. Often your health insurance covers it. I mean, there are really compelling reasons to do it. But um, yeah, to go back to the subject of, of dating, I mean, what you see really is that some people don't read. And you know, you think men don't read women's profiles, but women also don't read men's profiles because I have definitely been in conversations that showed very plainly that, oh, this this person did not read my profile and read all the way at the top that I had had a vasectomy. So yeah, also read people's profiles. And when people put filters or tags or whatever these apps use on their profiles, believe them. Yeah, people are using those as a way to communicate information about themselves. And exactly. It is really shocking that, you know, with you being so straightforward and explicit about where you stand and the choices you've made that people are, you know, not realizing that. It happened. It happened on Tinder, which is not renowned for the level of effort that people put into <laughs> it, which is why, you know, I didn't really like it, honestly. I'm, I'm a very inexperienced dater because in Europe, where I grew up, dating doesn't exist really. Right. Or like it was imported into society very recently by dating apps themselves. Mm-hmm. And so I basically went about this with pretty much zero experience, but I can't say I was super impressed with the level of effort that people put into something like Tinder. Yeah. I Though I, I will say that's not the place where I would expect the most effort <laughs> to be given. I'm curious, are there child-free apps that you know of? So from what I understand, in order to have an app that works, you need critical mass. 
and there does not seem to be enough of a critical mass for that to happen. So I guess what you have to do is use conventional apps with filters. Yeah. Or there is also, I mean, if there's anybody listening to this who is child-free and wondering where the heck do I find somebody who's child-free and doesn't already know about this, there is a subreddit that is uh, CF4CF, so child-free for child-free, where people put like kind of like old-school personals ads. I love that. Uh, yeah, to search for their child-free partner. I don't know to what extent it works, but I've seen at least several testimonies of people getting in long-term relationships off of that. And if that's what happens to me right now, it'll be credited to that forum as well. Oh, you have to keep us updated. <laughs> that's awesome. And I love that you found that. And I know it was really you know, crucial to your whole journey early on. And so it's great that it's still like a community that you're a part of and that you can lean on. Yeah, the people are extremely supportive. And, you know, sometimes people, like, if you're not child-free and go on there, you'll be like, oh, these people are evil, they hate kids. But sometimes people just need their venting space and need to, like, let it out because we're in a society where the child-free choice is still not well understood. And there are a lot of a lot of false ideas uh, circulating uh, about that choice, about that lifestyle and um, it's still misunderstood. So just being in a community where people understand you and uh, understand the way you're thinking is uh, extremely important. And it's also good to build a, a community of child-free friends, yeah. which I'm trying to do as well. Yeah, I'm sure that's definitely, you know, been tough. I We always talk about on the show how it's hard when, you know, every year goes by and your friends get into relationships and are getting married and having kids and you're still single and you want those things. But I imagine it's also really difficult when your friends are starting to go through those stages of life and, you know, starting to have kids. And that's just not at all something that you're ever going to be able to relate to. Yeah. And it's difficult for several reasons. I mean, if you do want that and you don't have it yet, it's difficult because you feel like you're lagging behind other people. But if you don't want kids and you want to like be honest about it, like uh, I have a couple of friends who just had a baby a few months ago, and I could see like when I told them that I didn't want kids, I could see you know the, the their long faces and be like, what? How is that possible? But and you know the 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 cliches. Oh, but you'd be such a good dad. Well, maybe I would, but that doesn't mean I want to be, and therefore I would be a terrible dad. But Anyway, I have not heard a peep from these people since hearing through other people that their child had been born. And there are many people on the child-free Reddit, actually, who will tell you they have lost extremely close friends to a baby. And like it's true that your life changes dramatically when you do have a baby. But if anybody with kids is listening to that, just remember to be in touch with your child-free friends um, especially if they have been close friends and if they've been supportive of your decision to have kids, be supportive of their decision not to have kids. If you're going to invite them to an event, if you're thinking of inviting them to an event that's kid centric, like a kid's birthday party, you know, ask them if they want to come and don't be offended if they don't, because maybe they don't feel like it, but ask them, just keep them in the loop because they probably still want to be friends with you. Yeah, that was so, so well said. And I'm really glad that you made that point. And I, I, yeah, again, it's like, I hear people saying things like that, where it's like, if you're the single one in the friend group, like still invite me. It's like, it's true. Everyone wants to know that people are thinking about them. And just even if they don't end up going, it's nice to know that you're invited 
and that you're still included and that you're still welcome and being thought about. Exactly. And a friendship is often built off a common experience. And so it's difficult to find that common experience once, you know, somebody is taking care of a crying baby and barely getting any sleep and you see your friend, you know, happily traveling or doing whatever they want. And it can seem frustrating almost uh, to people who are struggling, especially with the first baby, you know, with the difficult reckoning of know what it's like the day-to-day reality of being a parent because society does you know gloss over those things hugely and you really can't get an honest opinion about it before you experience it yourself and so yeah they see this person who's living a completely different life and they feel a disconnect towards them but like we should just remember why we were friends with them in the first place and if we do want to continue that friendship we should do that exactly it gets so much harder to maintain friendships as you know, your lives go in different directions, but you weren't, and maybe this is true for some friendships, but for most of your friendships, you weren't just friends out of convenience. You know, you weren't just friends because you were in the same place at the same time. It's like you had so many things that you connected on and that you loved and shared and memories you've made together. And it's not something, you know, of course it takes a lot of effort to maintain some friendships, but it's not something that, you know, just because, you're doing different things like the friendship is over you just have to remember why you love each other exactly and th- that's for the friendships that survive for example you moving to a different city and when it happens you know you're going to lose sight of your acquaintances and the true friends are going to stay and i'm really fortunate to have a few true friends that i've kept from you know the different places that i've lived and uh it's it you know highlights really the importance of friendship it's a really important thing in life, especially if you're child-free, obviously. And I really like the concept of a chosen family. It also applies to people, you know, for example, LGBTQ plus people who are excluded from their families and have to rebuild a family from friends. It applies to people who maybe are orphans or have lost their parents at an early age. And I think we should steer away from expressions such as starting a family to say having children, because there are so many ways to start a family that have nothing to do with children. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And and again, that was so, so beautifully said. I cannot thank you enough for coming on. And I imagine this was something that's, you know, really vulnerable and, and not easy to talk about, but you did an incredible job. And I am so, so grateful that you reached out and were willing to come on. I mean, you're very welcome. It's, uh, it, it is very vulnerable, but also kind of healing to be able to talk about it and to think that by doing this, maybe you're going to help other people not make Absolutely. the same mistakes as you. Yeah, 100%. I, I know you are, and I'm sure you already have in your life. And I'm just really excited to you know be a part in sharing your story and what you've learned. Um, with that being said, uh, before I let you go, I would love to hear what the best piece of dating or relationship advice you've ever gotten is. So in terms of dating advice, I can't really help you, honestly, aside from (laughs) don't have a dead fish in your profile picture. Although (laughs) I think that there's even some controversy about that. So I guess, no, the best piece of relationship advice that I've ever been given Um was, I mean, it's a cliche, but that when there is an argument, it is not you versus the other person, it's both of you versus the argument. And it really helps, you know, change from having an argument 
to get it, turning it into a conversation where you clarify your positions and bridge the gap and uh while remaining aware of this thing that I, that we were taught in this couples therapy which was the four horsemen of apocalypse i don't know if you heard about this thing of the four, like indicators of your of the the fact that your relationship is going to run into some problems and there's like contempt um defensiveness i can't remember the four but basically like if you show contempt towards your partner if you're defensive when they tell you like oh i this is a problem for me when you do this then you're headed into trouble so really just criticism defensiveness contempt and stonewalling there you go i actually have heard of this i take back i take back what i said ah okay yeah (laughs) so really yeah just pay attention to those things and argue with the with the goal of resolving the argument and not with the goal of being right or like winning the argument yeah, it's it's very team. simple but when you're in when you're in it it takes some reminding absolutely no that was perfect and that's something that nobody's brought up before so thank you really oh yeah. i'm glad no, well thank you again and to everyone who listened thank you so much for listening to this episode of unfiltered please 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 share this with a friend who would benefit from hearing it and you might also have a lot of friends who would learn a lot from this episode and benefit from hearing it that you don't realize so send it to your whole group chat share it on your story this is such a wonderful episode and i learned so much and i'm so grateful for this conversation so i really want to you know get it out there and also just further you know spread the message of being child free is okay and it's a choice that people have and there are people out there and there is a community and so for anyone else who is you know making that choice and feels alone i would love for this episode to get out to them so thank you guys again so much for listening and i will talk to you guys next time